to AV Plus, the podcast from Commercial Integrator Magazine. I'm Adam Forziati, web editor for CI. Video games have come a long way. A long way from playing Pong on a screen thicker than a slab of concrete. They're more competitive now than they ever have been before, so much so that there's a billion-dollar industry surrounding competitive gaming called eSports that integrators already have the skills to be involved with. All they have to do is get on the train before it leaves the proverbial station. On this monthly feature episode of AV+, we'll hear from Brandon Bresnick of Premier Mounts, who loves eSports and thinks that they're an excellent well to tap for integrators, both for jobs and fresh talent. We'll also hear from CI editors on the biggest piece of industry news this month, and we'll hear about the latest list of rising young stars in the AV industry. You can learn more about AV Plus online at commercialintegrator.com slash podcast and on Twitter by searching the hashtag AV Plus pod. That's A-B-P-L-U-S pod. Okay, here's editors Tom Craig and I with a quick roundup of AV news and some more details on the CI 40 Influencers Under 40 2018 list. So, gentlemen, it's a little hard to focus on industry-wide news when the biggest news in our office in a long time just happened. You can hear more about that in the last episode, but right now we want to focus on what's been happening in the AV industry. And it really is a perfect tie-in for us because we just, this month, dropped our fast-growing firms. But Inc. 500, you know, the released a list uh, this year in this month, past month, that Rates Scenario, Diversified, Ajima Technology, and Starlight Productions made the list. So, Craig, you wrote this story. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you learned there? I think you, you summed it up pretty well. Those four companies are, are among the, the fastest growing firms, um, not specifically in AV, but but in all of, of business uh, among those that, that participated in, in the Inc. 5000 uh, contest this year. I, I assume there's a fairly extensive application process that all these companies go through, but it, it's certainly a good sign to see, you know, the, these AV companies in, in the mix with, you know, other other companies that, that are obviously pretty pretty well known in, in industry. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there probably is a very um, significant application process, and I think one of the things that we learned in going through the applicants for our own fast-growing firms coverage is that there probably are a lot of AV integration firms that had they gone through that ink application process probably could have been reflected. And we, uh, we, we, we definitely noticed a trend this year that there are a lot of AV companies kind of capitalizing on you know, demand for you know, folks revamping their office spaces and rethinking about the way they communicate and you know, in higher education. There's sort of a revolution going on in terms of uh, distance learning and uh, and that creates a lot of AV opportunities that a lot of folks in our audience are taking advantage of. So it is a it is a pretty cool era for growth right now. I think um, of, of these four companies, um, we've written a lot, pro- probably the most about Diversified, who was our integrator of the year a couple of years ago, and and we've also written a, a fair amount about Scenario. I believe we had a, a profile on them a, a year or so ago. Yeah, so Scenario um, was on the fast growing uh, firms list this year, and they were also on the fast growing firms list last year. And one thing I remember about the application last year was I didn't know a lot about Scenario until I read that application, and I was really impressed. And then um, I think maybe you know two, three, four months later, Scenario ends up on the cover of CI for that reason because you know we started talking to them a lot more and. Wow, what a really interesting company, one that 
probably doesn't think of themselves as a traditional AV integration firm, but I think if people want to read our specific coverage of Scenario and the fast-growing firm's coverage or the profile that we wrote about them, I think there's probably a lot of things that they do that are pretty transferable to uh, a lot of integration firms. Let's uh, pivot away from news for a moment, and I just wanted to mention in the podcast today something about the uh, 40 and 40, you know, speaking of you know, rising uh, AV entities. Um, Craig, um, can you start us off by explaining what the CI 40 under 40 is and, you know, why we publish it? Sure. Um, it started five years ago. This 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 list that we published in, in our August issue is the, uh, I'm sorry, in the September issue is the, the fifth annual 40 influencers under 40. And it, it started as just kind of a, a way to recognize some, some young people in the industry. A- at the time, um, there was a conversation that, that Tom was having with, with uh, one of the people that, that ended up on the list and, and talking about you know, so, some of the young people in the industry and how there's so much talent coming up and you know, they're all very, you know, young people and things like that. And um, I, I don't think any of us knew what to expect when, when we put it in, in the magazine in the first place. In fact, we didn't put it on our cover. We kind of buried it a little bit in, in the issue. And it's turned into something where I'm, I'm already getting nominations for the next year's list and it started getting those as soon as this year's list came out. It's, it's kind of a way to, to celebrate and, and call out the fact that there's a, a lot of young people who are doing some um, interesting and, and exceptional things in the industry. And I'm sorry. Tom. I was just going to say that person, that mysterious <coughs> person that Craig alludes to, was um, it is Tim Albright of AV Nation, and I believe when I had that conversation with him, I think he was uh, 39 years, 364 <laughs> years old, and I think that um, days, <laughs> days yeah. old, and I think <laughs> that that was his effort to you know make one final you know, grasp at being youthful and under 40. And, and he and he, did, he succeeded because he was on that list and he'll always have that to treasure. Right. And and kind of in in honor of him, I guess, uh, we, we did include him on the list, even though I believe he, he was 40 or very close to it when the, the list came out. And even to this day, we, we do include a, a handful of people that are exactly 40. So maybe, maybe the name is a little bit inaccurate. But, um, but perhaps Tim is our oldest 40 under 40 ever. I believe he is, or he's he's very close to it, and, and, and he'll always be uh, part of the inspiration for the list anyway. <laughs> uh, and Craig, aside from the actual list itself, you recently also wrote about how fast the 40 under 40 list is growing. You know, why are more people reading it, and why are more people uh, suggesting, you know, potential candidates for the list? I, I think more companies are finally starting to figure out that it's okay to have young people, and young people, you know, can do some some pretty incredible things if you kind of let them let them do it let let them try it. I, I think for a long time there was some fear about you know what's what's this young person going to do if I let them you know work on their own or you know try this on their own or, or that sort of thing. And, and there was maybe a lot of micromanaging and, and things along those lines. I I think those reins are starting to finally be loosened up. And, and you know people are realizing that there there are certainly young people in in this industry and and and, and in others that that can do some some cool things if you let them and you know for me I think one of the the, the reasons that I think that we do the 40 under 40 is you know the, the well-documented recruiting challenges that the industry has and you know at the, the root of those recruiting challenges 
I think, is that young people don't really envision a career in AV. It's just not on their radar because they don't know about it. But when you highlight, you know, young people who are successful in in their careers and and are enjoying their careers and you know gaining recognition. I think it per, I think it makes it a little bit easier for younger folks to envision following that same path. So that's another reason why we do it is we just kind of want to we, we don't want to perpetuate the trend that you know this this is a, an industry for for older veteran folks who are calling the shots and in many ways those folks are are, are calling the shots and are doing a great job. But we're trying to integrate more young people and reflect that, and I think that, you know that's one of the big reasons we we have this annual coverage. Yeah, and I, I do want to point out that um, we we do this list every year, and we have an entirely new list of people on on an entirely new group every year. It's it's not you know thirty five of the same people and five new people in in the year. It's it's forty or so um, new people every year. Um, we have jammed a few more than forty in there every year. So we've we've found or, and we've had help finding more than two hundred young people in in this industry in the last five years. And like I said, I'm already getting nominations for for next year's list. So there's there's no shortage of, of young talent out there, and and that, and that's obviously a good thing because you know companies are you know getting getting older. You know company leadership is getting older, and you know they they have to be replaced by somebody. And speaking of that, what can listeners do if they want to nominate? someone for next year's list they can email me um i think we're going to probably change a couple of things about the nomination form for next year but they can certainly email me and and Uh, tell me that they're interested and your email address is probably about to change with our most recent news about the acquisition in that respect you can go to commercialintegrator.com your information is all on that website correct If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that I don't do sports. I'm just not interested in them. But I do have to respect the fact that, for many, watching them on TV or in person is, against all odds, a really enjoyable experience. So if you're more in the camp of our editor, Craig McCormick, who has Red Sox season tickets, you surely love going to see live sporting events. And if you're an integrator, you probably love people like Craig because while live sports has taken a plunge in recent years with venues battling to keep butts in their seats instead of on their comfy home couches, large venue integration projects still need comprehensive AV. You could say that they need it now more than ever. But there is a live events market on the rise that sports and large venue integrators could take advantage of, albeit it's a very different kind of sports. Esports, for those of you who don't know, revolve around the idea that watching people play video games, and play them incredibly well, is actually very entertaining, at least for some people it is. Brandon Bresnick, marketing coordinator over at Premier Mounts, explains. How it differs from you know traditional sports is, one is really fan engagement. You see the people who attend these events, they're dedicated, they're very technological savvy, they love going out to these events, and it's a really good place for people who connect and play video games online to kind of get together and, and, and understand something that they you know, have a passion for. Um, so I think the fans are a lot more engaging, a lot more passionate. And second, it has to be connected. So as esports evolves, fans need a way to kind of um, you know, express themselves and uh, keep connected with you know, everyone around them. So so the interactivity amongst esports fans is, is extremely high. And some examples of, of this would be, um, for example, social media. 
your average person who goes to an NBA basketball game or an MLB baseball game, they're not really going to be socially involved. They might take a couple pictures here and there, as opposed to those involved in esports. You know, they may have their phone on them the whole time. They may be ch- like talking to their friends or talking, to, you know, to the web about whatever event that they're at. Um, so definitely, the connectivity um, and the fan engagement are kind of what I see differ from traditional sports to esports. This is only a question I'll need to answer for some of you because I can practically hear some sports inclined folks asking why. Why do people like watching other people play video games? And more importantly, why is this a potentially lucrative market for integrators? These players have just insanely high reaction times and are able to kind of play the game in a way that, you know, someone at home really wouldn't be able to. So for fans to actually see the game that they love and the game that the title that they're you know, so engraved with, just being played in a fashion that's really cool and awesome and, and you can do these crazy trick shots and you know pull off these crazy maneuvers and moves you know that's what gets fans really excited and the fact that a video game doesn't follow a necessary script um, in esports you know you have different matches and they're competitive so obviously one team is definitely trying to beat the other every time but in every match something different happens someone either uh, makes a game-changing play or makes a save for their team. And it really gets fans excited because you really don't know what to expect when you're watching an eSports match. Everything is real-time, so the, the reactions are real from both the players and the fans. And I think that connectivity you know, and the, the wholesomeness of, of just enjoying the game as a group um, is something that's going to keep eSports kind of, you know, there's just going to be a lot more content and everything kind of coming around it and a lot more people who are, who are advocating that it's just a really great event to attend. There are a lot of people who don't really take eSports seriously. And I think those people are making a big mistake. Right now, in the current generation that we're in, it's already growing exponentially, but it's only going to be cemented from the generations that come after us. As gaming technology evolves, it'll only cement everyone growing up after us and saying, hey, I really like this. It's something I want to do. And, and it's something that kids down the line will actually think of as a career. Um, there are kids who are even doing that now. So, so to show that level of seriousness and how much money that this industry is generating, it's just going to get better over time. So what are the technical demands of an esports live event? Well, video games are supposed to be immersive, and when players dive into their most modern titles, they're taking on a new ego, a new perspective. Bresnik says the same hope is carried over into esports live events. One really great example that I personally know of is the Blizzard Arena in Burbank, California. In that stadium alone, they have so many different parts of AV that come together that really boost that fan engagement and get people activated. And some of the examples could be you know, the audio. So there's definitely speaker systems that are kind of su- supplemented throughout this arena and stadium that that can pick up and, and make you feel like when you're sitting in the seat watching these pro players compete, the gunfire or you know the metal banging, you know all of that in the highest quality of audio is definitely what people hone in on. And, and visually, you want to make sure that you're able to kind of show the action that's on the screen. And to do that, the best way that I think uh, to show what's going on in real time is through a video wall. When you have these big video walls, Obviously, you get the color from the LED. LED cabinets are kind of the big thing that we see with video walls right now. Um, Narrow pixel pitch, permanent installations indoor. Those are kind of the things that make people stop and look and say, hey, what is this image that's playing? So so using a video wall to show content in real time, um, you're mixing a really good mix with the the audio, the visual, and making sure that when 
people go there, they're just truly immersed in everything that's going on around them. So obviously, integrators with expertise in live events will do very well in this market. But broadcast specialists will also do well because, just like with physical sports, not every fan can make it to the stadium. Someone in Korea who wants to watch an event in L.A. needs to have a seamless experience, and all of that is in the hands of savvy integrators. You can read the full story on our website, commercialintegrator.com. If you do, you'll learn why esports can also help Pro-AV bring in some much-needed younger tech talent. We hope you enjoyed this longer feature episode that we release at the end of every month here at AV+. And next week, I'm going to be taking the week off because I'll be at Cedia. You can expect to hear more about my experience there and some products that debuted there that could impact the commercial market in the near future. But until that point, thank you for listening. You'll hear from us again in two weeks.